you guys can just remain standing for the next 45 minutes. I'd... Guys, you can take your seats. I am honoured to be here. Guys, I'm just going to pre-warn you. You are all coming back up and we're going to speak, sing. I just want to speak the name of Jesus, okay? So if any of you are planning on leaving, you don't have permission. Camp is not over until it's over. Okay, so I'm going to want you all to come back up. Is that okay? And we're going to go after it together. God bless you guys. Can we give it up for the band? So please stay close. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Thank you. seeking the will of God they're simply overrun by the people who just get on with it Reinhardt is not saying don't pray but he's saying pray and move move with what you've got 
go with what you've got. You know, the Bible says we see in part and through a clouded glass. Let me give you an illustration of what that would look like. Go and find a welder's mask. Put it on. Find the dirtiest window you can and try and look through it. That's how we see. We don't see the big picture. The whole picture, should I say. We see the big picture. But we don't see the whole picture. Because if we've seen it all, bless you. If we, if we see it all, we may not need the faith to take each step as it comes. I declare over each and every one of you that you are faith-filled people. Faith, the very substance that pleases God. Without it, it is impossible to please God. I pray that each and every one of you receive an impartation, an impartation of faith, a topping up, a filling up, a new level of faith so that you can step each day following Jesus. Each and every day. You know, I was going to speak about something different than what I'm speaking on tonight. And I actually just felt the Lord redirect me about 40 minutes ago. Which is always awkward. Because I had something prepared. Guys, before I get into what I want to share, I have a book for sale. I have to check what it was called then. Crikey. It's the only book I've ever written. I'd like to I was quite honest because everyone would have seen me turn it around. It's called Dare to Share. Are you of courage? Are you brave enough to share your faith? This book will help you in your walk. Some of the chapters are called The Value of Your Own Story. Your story is precious. It's powerful and it's valuable. And this dying world needs to hear the hope in which you have. One of them is called Jesus Wants Your Platform. Another one of them is called Elevator Altar Call. I put that one in because I was in Florida, actually at Reinhard Bonnke's memorial service when he passed. And I got in a lift and a gentleman got in with me, Luke, and I, and I just knew I should share Jesus with him. But to be fair, I became very, very creative with excuses. And uh, I didn't. And I didn't like it because that's not like me. I normally just do it. And I, and I felt like, violated a little why why didn't I tell him and I made up all these excuses so when I get in an elevator now I'm like like John the Baptist repent like so I was on I was in surface paradise last week ministering at a bunch of churches over there and I got into this lift I was staying in a I think it's like a 65 story building it's huge and this gentleman got in on the ground floor and I said excuse me sir where are you going? He said, level seven. And I hit 29 by accident. I said, I'm so sorry. And up we went. And then down we went. And then up we went. And I shared Jesus with him. Why am I sharing that story? Because this will help you to quickly share your faith. 
quickly, there and then in the moment. It's not for the evangelist, although it's very beneficial to the evangelist. It's for the body of Christ. It's there to share. We have a handful left out there if you want to pick a copy up. And I will even sign it for you if you so wish. I still find it... Oh, I still find it strange that I sign people's books because I know me. I live with me. And you want me to sign your book? Wow, it's crazy. Okay. Do not worry. Do not worry. But we do. And I know we do. We say we don't, but we do. Jesus knows we worry so much. That he tells us in Matthew 6, four times, do not worry. I want to read some scripture to you. And then we're going to unpack it. And then I want to share you a story of what not to do. Okay? Don't do what Andrew Cannon does. Do what Jesus does. Not what would Andy do. What would Jesus do? Okay? So I'm going to share you a story of how I got it terribly wrong so you can get it beautifully right. Okay? I'm going to throw myself on the altar. I'm, I'm prepared to look stupid so you look amazing. Okay? You're welcome. As a matter of fact, let's turn our... But we'll do another message. I'm just kidding. I'm prepared to look silly. I want to tell you how I got it horribly wrong. You see, we must trust God. When God speaks, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Let me read this passage. Mark Mark 6. Excuse me. Mark 6. We're going to go from 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink. Or what you're, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food. And the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I have another translation that says, can any of you, by worrying, add a single smile to your face? Worriers don't smile, right? And why do you worry about your clothes? Clearly I don't. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear? For even the pagans run after all of these things. And yet your heavenly father knows what you need. But first, seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, so after all of those do not worries, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its 
own. Amen. I love reading the word of God in church. I love it. I love reading the word of God as it is. But especially in church, especially in his house. I love it. I love it. I love it. Do not worry, but we do. We can worry about finances, worry about health, worry about our relationships. We can worry about our jobs. We can worry about our children. We can worry about our marriage. We can worry about the children we're carrying. By the end of this message, none of you will be left with an excuse to worry. Because God will come through. Let me tell you how God came through for me even though I was worrying and took my own future in my own hands and worked on behalf of God as God. And it went horribly wrong. Okay, so for those who don't know, I was a cocaine addict and an alcoholic and a self-harmer. lived on and off the streets, coupleless failed suicide attempts. My life was an absolute mess. I met Jesus 13 years and four months ago, January 2010. My life was spiraling out of control. Couple of failed suicide attempts. Moved into a rehab on the third day of being in that rehab. I quite liked the fact it was on the third day. Good things happen on the third day. If that goes over your head, I'm going to pray for you, okay? So, on the third day. Okay, so I give my life to Jesus on the third day and he filled me. He completely set me free. He washed me clean, brought me into the right mind. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel. I didn't know the tomb was empty. I didn't know there was a death, a burial, a resurrection. I didn't know there was worship leaders. I didn't know there was... Nord stage three keys and people as good looking as Luke in church. I didn't know any of this. And Jay, I don't want to cause the vision. Okay. I didn't know any of this and I go to church. I go to rehab and on the third day I was about to have my very first Bible study. I didn't even own a Bible. I have a lot of Bibles now. A lot of them. Guys, I just want you to know if you have a spending problem, buy Bibles. Your wife never complains. If you have that itch that needs scratching, just buy a new Bible. Your wife's like, oh, he so loves the word. I have piles. So I give my life to Jesus on the third day. A man walked into the room and he said, this is, someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus. And I knew it was me. I said, Jesus, if you are real, save me. Massive question mark. Very small Jesus. I said, if you're real, save me. And the hands of God touched me. Paired nine years of addictions out of me instantly. Baptized me in the Holy Ghost and in fire. Brought me into the right mind. Reconciled me back to God. Jesus, you are amazing. Completely set free. And out of my mouth came a heavenly language. Listen to this. I was the very first person I ever heard praying in tongues. Could you imagine? I'd never heard it. Never heard anyone praying in tongues. I was the very first person I ever heard praying in tongues. So I stayed in that rehab for nine more months. I could have moved out on the third day. I promise you, I was done. I was set free. But I thought, let's just marinate in this culture. So I stayed in for nine more months and I left. And I met Jen, for those who've never seen Jen. There she is, check it out. She's a woman of faith. 
She loves the Lord. I met Jen in that church that I was connected to. Jen never had a past like me. Just so happened to be that was the home church the rehab was connected to. I met Jen in that church. I left the rehab and I rent a house and then I applied for a job in a car manufacturing plant called JLR Jaguar Land Rover. We built Range Rovers for a living. I applied for this job. Over the telephone, I had a telephone interview, Luke. Then I went in and had five tests, five practical tests. I passed all five. Glory to God. And as I was walking out, Sheridan, the lady who was doing the examinations kind of went like this. And I kind of walked out like this. You know, I felt good. I felt like I did well. You kind of know when you did well, right? I just aced them. Glory to God. And I said, like, when will I hear if I've got in or not? But inside, I kind of knew I'd got the job. Just felt really good about it, you know. And she said, oh, in a couple of weeks. And as I was coming out and I stepped into the fresh air out of this office block, I heard the voice of the Lord say, Andrew, well done. The job is yours. Yes! Take it to the bank, right? God himself spoke to me. God himself. It was that same voice that said, come to me when I gave my life to him. Oh, I'm a sheep. I know his voice. I recognize that voice. He said, the job's yours. Woohoo! I was made up. I was like this. So I thought, well, I'm going to get an email in about two weeks. No email. I'm like, okay. Another two weeks passed, Luke. No email. So I ring up the company. <clears throat> I said, hey, this is Andrew Cannon. I said, I had an interview a couple of weeks ago and I, I, like, I felt like the woman gave me like the nod and I did well and didn't tell him God spoke to me because crikey did think I was a lunatic, right? I said, you know, and the woman gave me the thumbs up and, you know, she said, okay, yeah. She said, we're still doing more interviews. No, that didn't fill me with peace. I was thinking, what a waste of time. God's already spoke to me. These poor people. These poor people wasting their life. The job's mine. Another two weeks pass, I ring them up. I said, hey, this is Andrew Cannon. I said, so this is, we're six weeks in now. Still no email to confirm what God had spoken to me. I'm starting to get restless. Luke, I'm starting to look a little bit like the world, my friend. But I'm a born again believer. On fire for Jesus on fire just been set free 12 months prior so I ring them back up again I said she said hello with that Andrew I said it is she said you're ringing up about the job I said I am she said we still don't know that was September October back end of November I ring back up. They were like on speed dial. God told me the job was mine. You'd think I'd just chill and enjoy Christmas, right? Oh, no. No, that's what faith-filled wise people do. That's what God-fearing people who trust God do. And I was on fire. 
I genuinely was on fire. But worry was getting in. Do you know what the definition of worry is to be torn into? And a house that's divided. This is a house, by the way. This is a temple. God lives in here. And I was torn into. So I ring them back off, Jay. Middle of November. Hello? Hey, Andrew. I said, listen, I need to know whether I've got this job. She said, okay, just leave it with me. So the lady goes away. And she comes back and she says, hey, Andrew. With a real positive voice, I'm like, here we go. She said, I'm awfully sorry about the team that are doing the assessments. They're actually an outsourced team. They're not actually our staff. They're agency staff. And they finished for Christmas. I said, it's the middle of November. Who on earth finishes for Christmas? In fact, can I have a job with them? (laughs) It's the middle of November. She said, Andrew, okay. I said, no, it's not. She said, we'll come back to you in January. In January. I had the test in September. God spoke to me and said the job was mine. I promised myself, myself, I didn't promise God. I promised my, I'm still getting hold of my phone. <laughs> Conversation, phone calls are over. So I promised myself that I would never go back to construction. I had a construction company, I did very well. Well, kind of very well, lost it all, but I did well when I had it. When I had it. Yeah. I did really well when I was doing really well. I did blinking awful when I did awful, okay? I promised myself I would never go back to construction. <laughs> but I did. And I found myself on a construction site, Luke, in a very place that was very toxic in my past life. You see, worry has you doing things you know you ought not to do. Worry takes you backwards. Not forwards. Worry will put you in positions you know you should not be in. And you know it. But worry rips you apart and pulls all of you. And it takes you to places you ought not to be. So I found myself on a construction site way up on some steel. I did partition suspended ceilings, partition walls, steel erecting, that kind of thing. Jen, who was then my girlfriend, to be honest, Jen's never been my girlfriend. She's always been my wife. She just didn't know that. It just took her a whole heap of time to catch up. Jen's always been my wife. She just didn't know. So Jen calls me and says, Andrew. (laughs) Amen. So Jen said, have you checked your emails? I'm up a steel. With legs wrapped round it, with a harness on, and I feel a vibration in my pocket. It's Jen. She said, Have you checked your emails? I said, No. She said, Where are you? I said, Well, I'm about 160 foot up on some steel. She said, Please come down safely. I'm like, Why? I started to worry again. What, why? What's happened? She said, Just come down and check your emails. I said, okay it didn't click and then I'm still on the phone I keep Jen on the phone I put it in my in my tool pouch and I come down it takes about 10 minutes to get down so I'm on the phone with Jen and I go like this onto my emails no signal could you believe it 
Guys, this is the truth. It's funny, isn't it? But it's the truth. You'd think like I'm just adding to a story. No signal. I was in the middle of nowhere. I was actually building Manchester City's new stadium. <clears throat> I would rather build Everton's. You know I'm from Liverpool, right? We have, two, we have a great football team in Liverpool. Everton. Say it after me. Everton. Good people. Any Liverpool fans in here? Don't you leave here. I'm going to do an altar call for every single one of you. So I go like this with my phone. And it looked like I was trying to start a two-stroke engine. I was like this. And then ping. This email comes in. It's JLR, Jaguar Land Rover. Congratulations. Mr. Cannon. You've been given the job. But what you don't know is before I went into construction, I was baffled. I was couldn't understand what was going on. And I had this epiphany. I realized I have a cousin who works in the office in Jaguar Land Rover. So before I found out I had the job, I went through him first. And I rang him and I said, Phil, do you still work in Range Rover? He said, I do. I said, you still work in the office? He works for Cisco Systems. I was telling you, the same lad. I said, can you like find out whether I've, had, I've got this job? He said, no problem. So he rings me back two days later and he started the conversation like this. Don't shoot the messenger. Now that's the first thing I'm going to do. That's bad news, right? Hello? He said, bro, you haven't got the job. I said, what do you mean I haven't got the job? He said, your name's still Andrew Cannon, isn't it? I said, yeah. He said, I'm reading it now. Andrew Cannon, you haven't got the job. So that's when I went into construction. And then I get this email. Three months later. Sorry, two months later. Saying I had the job. Well, guess who I wanted to call? <laughs> Cousin Phil couldn't wait I said hey Phil bidding the man Phil's not a believer Phil doesn't go to church he doesn't worship Jesus he doesn't live a sacrificial life onto Jesus he's quite sacrificial he's generous he's kind he's courteous he's all of those things but he's not living onto Jesus doesn't believe doesn't go to church doesn't read the Bible he told me I didn't have the job he said I'm reading your name right now Andrew Cannon you don't have the job so I ring him back up. When I knew I had the job, I said, hey, Phil. I said, do you know that job you said I didn't have? I said, I've got it, and I knew it, because God told me. Do you know what he said? If God told you, why did you call me? A non-believer reminding me that I should have faith in the one that I believe in. If your God told you, why did you call me? You see, because worry takes us to places that we ought not to be. Worry can keep you in the wilderness for 40 years when you're meant to be there for 40 days. Worry and concern are two different things. Let me explain. I want every person in this room to be concerned about me. But I don't want single one of you to be worried. You say, well, Andrew, explain. Well, I will. 
I want you to be concerned of whether I'm treating my wife right. I want you to be concerned whether I'm being a loving husband and a loving father. I want you to be concerned whether I'm reading my word. I want you to be concerned about my prayer life, but not worried, you see, because worry and concern are two different things. Worry is when you and I see a situation and we have a standing and we see the situation and we worry. That situation has now took over us because we're worrying. And that situation starts to dictate how we live our life. Concern, on the other hand, is you and me seeing an issue, having right standing with our Father, in complete control with Him. And we speak to the problem and the problem changing rather than the problem speaking to us and us changing. That's the difference between worry and concern. So I say again, I want every single one of you to be concerned about me. If you ever remember me after tonight, please pray for me. Please pray for me. So, I go and I tell Cousin Phil and I start the job and I, my wife's over the moon, my father, and we're all so, so, so happy. And I start the job March 21st, 2011. And I start the job. And I have this induction. Look, and it was a room slightly smaller than this. And it was rectangle table all the way around. So everyone can face each other. And the supervisor there, he had a table just like this. And he had a laptop just like this. And he would say, Nikita, you are fitting the headlights. Because men and women work there. He would say, Jay, you are fitting the bumpers. Sheridan, you are fitting the seats. Jan, you are fitting the dashboard. Luke, you are fitting the wheels. And he went down about 60 names. Like this. And then he got to me. He went, Andrew Cannon. Who's Andrew Cannon? I thought, here we go. He said, who's Andrew Cannon? I said, that's me. He said, you've been given the dynamic road test job. Fancy. Thank you. To be honest, I had no idea what that job was, but it sounds better than the one they gave Jay, right? (laughs) Jay's fitting bumpers. I had the dynamic road test job. This is what he said. He said, one or two things has happened here, Andrew. He said, either you've had a, you're either a relative of the CEO or you've had a letter from God. I went, funny you should say that. I said, I'm a born again Christian. I was washed by the blood of Jesus. I said, I was a cocaine addict and an alcoholic and God set me free. And in the middle of proclaiming it, I heard the voice of the enemy again. I couldn't believe it. He said, you haven't signed your contract yet. (laughs) I started to worry again. 
Does anyone want bread? You haven't signed your contract. I went, ooh. <laughs> when God speaks to you, don't go around the houses. Just go and do it. He gave me the best job in the factory. So much so, you needed 25 years experience to get my job. And you may be sitting here thinking, well, how did Cousin Phil get it so horribly wrong? I'm glad you asked. Because I'm about to tell you, the lad never. But he did. You see, what you don't know is this factory that we, I used to work in was massive. It was nearly two miles long by a mile and a half wide. At any given moment, there was about 3,500 staff in there and about 500 cars driving around inside the factory. The place was massive. They were taking on a whole new shift. They were actually giving 900 people a job. 50 plus thousand application forms went in. And it was four Andrew Cannons. Phil just seen a list. Went down alphabetically order. Mine's always kind of at the top because my first is A and my second is C. So regardless of what way they start with your second name or your first, I'm typically close to the top. He scrolls down. He sees Andrew Cannon. You don't have the job. What Phil didn't know is that was the rejected list. There was another two on there. But there was another list on the other side of the office with the accepted and I want you to know, I didn't know any other Andrew Cannons in that factory. God give it to me. Why? Because he spoke to me. Does that mean he loves me more than the other three? No, it just means he honours his word and he spoke to me. He honoured me. He honoured his word. He's not a man that he should lie. So I'm saying to you, do not worry. Do not be torn in two. When God speaks to you, he has gone before you and he is unstoppable. So I worked in this factory. They called me some funny names. They called me the Pope. They called me Father Ted. They called me John the Baptist. They called me, oh, they called me all sorts of things. And these men, they would leave milk in the fridge and it'd go like yogurt. Uh, and every now and then they just slide it up the table and go hey Andrew can you heal that <laughs> I'd say bro I can't I said but if you leave it a bit longer and put some strawberries on it it might be okay <laughs> these same men would ask me to pray for them all the time. So before I took my cars, their cars, guys, listen, let me summarize my job. I drove other people's Range Rovers very quick and I got paid for it. It's like, that's a good job right there. For five and a half years, 70 cars a day, 65 to 72 cars a day. As a matter of fact, I just thrashed everyone's cars and I got paid for it. It's amazing, right? <clears throat> But those lads in there, 
they would ask me to pray for me. And I used to have to drive my car into a booth, Luke Royce, a huge big booth, basically a treadmill. And I would drive the car and I would take it up to motorway speed, 70. Then we'd go to 84, 90, 93, do all the gear changes, check all the things, and then bring it out. And it was like a big, looked like a big car wash, really. The doors would close and you'd drive in. One Saturday morning, I drove in and the door shut. And I was plugging a diagnostic machine and getting ready. And I looked up and my colleagues had printed out a 16-foot poster of the Last Supper. <laughs> and they put it across my boot. So when it closed, you'd see the Last Supper. I was like, this is awesome. So the lads in the factory who would call me John the Baptist to my face and, and the Pope, I prefer John the Baptist, but that's besides the point. <laughs> and they would say, hey, bro. I'm like, what's up? They're like, will you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, here now. They go, no, 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 in the supper room. <laughs> Let's go. Get in. And I get to pray for these people. Don't worry. God has gone before you. I'm going to finish with this and then I'm going to ask everyone to stand up and we're going to pray. The band's going to come up and we're going to pray and you're going to give any, any worry that you have onto Jesus and you're just going to live a life of freedom, a life of peace, a life of joy and you're going to go arrow-like in the pursuit of the kingdom of the living God, okay? So, every day, I worked. I worked a lot of days. I worked 22 days, 21 days on, two days off. Yeah, 21 days on, two days off, plus preaching all around, the, all around the Europe. It was great. But every day after our first break, our first tea break, we had 15 minutes, we'd come back and the lines would stay. Amen, guys. Thank you. The lines, the production lines would have stopped. And my supervisor, who you remind me of greatly, you do. Well, your name's Sheridan, and his name was Keith. <laughs> but let me tell you why you remind me of him. Natural ability to lead people. The natural ability to lead and to love people. He was a phenomenal leader. And he was my supervisor. And every day, when we were in work, of course, he would say, we'd have this and he'd have this. And he'd come with a piece of paper like this. And basically, he'd have to give us the statistics of the day of how the plant is doing. None of us were interested. Really, because we couldn't change that. Because the line speed was set by the, by the engineers, not by us. And he would say, right, we've got 50... Uh, uh, 2,000 cars on wheels. We've sold 190 cars in the last six hours. We've got 55 in the mechanics. We've got 11 in the ETAs. We've got 11 on the Cal quality acceptance line. We've got all of these, all of these, all of these. And he'd go through all the statistics and we were just numb. And so was he. I thought, I've got to jazz this up a little bit. It's just what I like to do. I like to jazz things up. So when he'd finished, I'd go, Amen! <laughs> Everyone would go, What's going on with the Pope? That's what they say. What's up with him? And then he'd do it again. I went, Amen! And Kenny, 
who he called head in a bag because he'd carry his pack lunch in like this. I was like, I'm convinced he's got a head in that bag. Walking like this. It was only a salmon toasty and a Tim Tam. I'm like, I wanna, I, I'm dying to see what's in that bag. So I, yeah, anyway. So he'd go, amen. And Keith would go, and then before I knew it, the lads had gone to the stores and cut out these big polish, these big sponge hallelujah hands. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah! They were like, it was only statistics. What we didn't know was, or what I didn't know is Keith came in one day and he, I, I did know, but I didn't know what he was about to say. And he said, you know what, guys, I've been doing this. Keith retired when I was there. He said, I've been doing this now for 38 years. I've got two more years in. I'm taking the money and I'm going. He said, I've got to do something different. 38 years I've been giving these statistics. They mean nothing. He said, as from today, I'm going to read a scripture of the day. I'm like, here we go. Amen. <laughs> so we would read the scripture. But what you didn't know is the whole factory had stopped because they were over there, 30 people in that area, 20 in there, 60 in that, 100 over there, 5 over there. The whole factory stopped for five minutes because it used to cost just about $97,000 a minute to stop the line because the cars were popping off. So that everyone had stopped. But what happened was this group of people, Sheridan, wanted to know why we were saying amen. They were like this. And some of them would go, hey, amen. So what my supervisor did, we had underground church. He would send that supervisor the scripture today. And before I knew it, they had hallelujah hands. <laughs> amen! And then that group over here wanted to know what these were saying amen about. Just because God went before me and positioned me in the right place, I had the opportunity to see an underground church with 3,600 people. I had the largest church in the UK. And everyone wanted to turn up on Sunday because it was double pay. No one went away for Easter holidays. They all went to, ch to church called Jaguar Land Rover. Triple pay. And I had this opportunity to pray for people in the supper room and to pray for people and to lead people to Jesus, to see people get healed, to be called all sorts of names, to miserably fail trying to heal milk, be called John the Baptist, the Pope. Don't worry. Don't worry. Some of you know you worry too much. Stand to your feet. This is what we're going to do, guys. There's not much room in the front. But we'll make room. <laughs> we certainly will, Jay. Guys, I'm a great believer of this principle. Do not worry. Don't worry about today or tomorrow. Don't worry about your future. To worry is to be torn in two. 
Don't be like Andrew. Be like Jesus. Who fully, fully trusts his father. So much so, he actually laid down his life for you and for me. Do not worry. When God speaks to you, hold it and believe it. It may take some time, but it will happen.